Well, hello there. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good whatever time of day you're watching this. Thank you for doing so. I'm Nelson, the founder of 360 Degree Ministries, where the love of Christ must come full circle. And this week we are continuing our unit on generational curses. But um, before I actually even get into what we're going to talk about today, uh, I want to thank uh, those of you who came to our 10th anniversary live stream. It is available on the YouTube channel now. Um, it was a great two hours and talked about various things, including some things about generational curses. Um, and also thank you to those who have watched the live stream since its original broadcast. Uh, that said, let's get into it today. So I know two weeks ago I talked about, um, today us talking about us getting over generational curses and we will do that today. But what I wanted to talk about first was how do you know you have a generational curse? Because most of the time when you most of the time when you have a generational curse, well first of all, most people don't even understand like what generational curses are, you know, hence this unit and how they work and all that kind of stuff. But there are people as I've mentioned before in this unit that don't even recognize when they are under the oppression of a generational curse. So I have seen um, arguments for, I've seen arguments for the, the, the concept of the generational curse being unbiblical. And I will say it is unbiblical insofar as to God's direct wrath being upon subsequent generations per se, as it is depicted in the uh, Old Testament. But as far as like spiritual redemption and that fundamental spiritual disadvantage piece that I talked about, that familial print, the, the, the spiritual principality that comes from your familial heritage, I, I believe that all of that is real because we have successive generations of families falling into the exact same spiritual traps. And I don't think that can be, I don't think that can be true without the idea of generational curses being real. So how do you know you have a generational curse? Um, I would say, um, because there's one real issue here. The primary issue with a generational curse is, is that, it's it's a it's a mindset or a behavior pattern that we just can't seem to shake you know I've, I've said that in the past that everyone in their spiritual growth has that sin has that thing that they struggle with well that thing that they struggle with can be a generational curse it can be a generational curse it is not always a generational curse. You may, you may struggle with two things, or it may be that you don't struggle with two things, or it may be three things, but hopefully it's not more than three things. Ooh, we, if you struggle, if, if there are four parallel behavior patterns going on and going on in your business that, that you can't seem to shake, you are probably not having a good time. And, um, Ooh, I, I know, I know uh, those of us in the South say, God bless when we just like, oh boy, God bless. Nah, I, I don't want, I don't want to seem, uh, 
I don't want to seem tone deaf to that kind of spiritual struggle. That is deep spiritual struggle. And you got four, five uh, parallel personalities all eating away. There ain't, there's literally no peace in that. But I would say to discern the thing that you're struggling with because of you and the thing that you're struggling with because generations, the only way to really figure this out is to have those difficult conversations. Just like we talked about last, last time, we have to have those difficult conversations. If we are the, uh, if we are the successor in the lineage, then we got to go back to that previous generation and ask some questions based on the struggles that we are having. I very, I very recently through the study of this unit discovered what my generational curse was. <laughs> that is a matter for the Lord and the Lord and I to hash out. <laughs> but, um, I, I always kind of knew, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint, I couldn't articulate it, if you will. And a lot of people kind of have this inkling, but they can't articulate it. And let me say this right now. When you discover what your generational curse is, it is a matter for you and the Lord. Cause that's the only way you're going to fix it. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit later in this session today. So have those discussions because if you discover that the thing you're struggling with are things that previous generations in your family struggle with, then that's probably a generational curse. I know we throw around, I know I've been throwing around this term for like a month now and I don't want it to seem like I'm throwing around generational curse. Like, Oh, you got a generational curse. You're not going to go to heaven. You can't live your life. You can't live abundantly. You can't have this. You can't have that. And da, 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 da. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the struggle itself. I'm not talking about you having to quote unquote do more to get into heaven or do more to get to your, well, you might have to do a little bit more to get to your purpose because there's still, like I said, that fundamental spiritual disadvantage that we have to overcome. But let me say this now, there is hope for those of us, most of us. And what I mean by most of us, that most of us have this, like all of us who do is all of us, most of like all of us who do is most of us like globally in the kingdom. Like most believe like all like as far, as far as all believers are concerned, most people got generational curses and all the people who got generational curses can overcome them. Can overcome them. There's a lot of good news. But um I know I'm 6 minutes in and if you were looking for a short video today, this ain't the topic for it. Just just die. All right, so um Without further ado, what we're going to do is, is we're going to really get into some meats and potatoes with probably one of the deepest scripture dives that we have ever done in, 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 in this. So just, 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 just get ready. But what I want to do first is, is I want to provide hope. Hope. I've talked about how bad they are, but I want to talk about hope. And to talk about hope, I want to go to the scripture. I mean, this this what a hope is, right? And the very first uh, passage I want to go to, and I promise I won't take too much time fumbling through pages this time. But the first scripture I want to go to is uh, in Ezekiel. Uh, chapter 18 and we're going to read verses 1 through 4 and I'm going to talk about it and then we're going to kind of get into kind of the deeper um, 
deeper stuff with it. So, um, let's let's go ahead and read some script. Let's go ahead and read some scripture, okay? Um, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declare the Lord God, this proverb shall be no this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son, the soul whose sins shall die. So what does this mean? It means that while generational sin can be passed, it's not this. It's not this, you are so spiritually disadvantaged, you can't reach God. God said you belong God said you belong to me no matter what your dad do. Now what you choose to do in the midst of you belonging to me will choose how, will, will determine what you get from me. And we're gonna talk about the choosing what you do and all that kind of stuff. But let's kind of do a review of some of the other script. I, I'm doing a lot of stuff with my hands real quick. But um, let's kind of get back into like uh, a review of some of what these uh, scriptures say. So uh, for that, we're going to go all the way back to Exodus. And we'll never go to Exodus, but we're going to Exodus now. We'll talk about what's over here in Exodus. So we'll go to uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. Uh, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or a likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of fathers on, on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. You can go to verse six, showing, but showing steadfast love to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments. That's the bridge with the Ezekiel piece, even though uh, Exodus, I mean, the, the Exodus piece, Exodus was written way before the, uh, the prophetic books. I'm going to close this again real quick, and we're going to go back to the scripture, but think about it. Like I said, no matter what your spiritual disadvantage is, even if you are under a fundamental spiritual disadvantage, God declares in Ezekiel and several other places in the Bible that you belong to him. And what happens to you is determined by what you do with that information. So the short answer is, I'm not going to leave y'all with this, but the short answer is, if you got a fundamental spiritual disadvantage, it behooves you to turn over that fundamental spiritual disadvantage to God. That's going to be your marathon thing you overcome. It's going to be the marathon thing you overcome. It's the marathon issue that we overcome as believers. It's usually that generational. It's usually that generational curse. The generational curse may give, may give rise to some other struggles, but I would hazard to guess that if we work on the generational curse and the behavior that comes from that, then most of our destructive behavior patterns will be taken care of in the process. But boy, is it a process. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Gonna go to uh gonna read two quick passages in Deuteronomy, and they're going to be kind of split kind of apart. But what I want you to do while I'm going to Deuteronomy is remember that part about don't make a graven image. Don't make a graven image, and I am 
and I am a jealous God. Remember those parts. We're going because I'm going to revisit that. I'm going to revisit that this session. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to go to um Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 10. Um and I'm 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 not kind of I'm kind of picking and choosing, but I'm going somewhere with this. And repays to their face those who hate him by destroying. He will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. And then we're going to go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32, verse 41. I'm, I know I'm kind of flying through the scripture because this, this is... It's, it's, it's really kind of a... It's, it's really a deep dive in. It's, the material itself is, is so heavy. Like the material itself is so heavy. So um, I'm looking at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 41. If I show up in my flashing sword and my hand takes hold of judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and I will, will repay those who hate me. So before we go back to the scripture, what I want you to. So there's several things I want. I want to take notice of of this. The. By the power of video magic, I'm back. So, like I said, there were some things that I wanted, um, the things that I, I want you to take notice of in this, take take stock of as we continue in this session. Um, one, only the one who sins will die, and that's and that's not and that's not just spiritual death. That's just death period. Because sin could bring you take you on out of here physically too. Um. I hate the, I, the, I'm going after the one who hates me. Um, God is a jealous God. Do not make it. God is a jealous God. Do not make any graven images. And I'm a repay to the face. I'm a repay. I'm a repay the one who hates me to their face. Take stock of these things as we continue, because this is the essence of generational curses. Remember, if I had to make a central statement about this session, it would be, the, the central statement about this session would be, excuse me, the central station, the central statement about this session. I want to make sure I get this right, so I'm kind of, kind of pausing on this one. The central statement about this session would be, no matter what your fundamental spiritual disadvantage is, no matter how great your generational curse is, we have to remember that we belong to God. And what happens with our generational curse and our fundamental spiritual disadvantage hinges on what we do with that information. Because as I talked about earlier, our soul belongs to God and he only will go after the one who sins and he will do it to their face. So the issue with this is, is that we've all sinned. Sin feels good. If sin felt like razor blades all over our body, we probably wouldn't sin. But imagine being compelled to sin and then the feeling of sin still feeling like razor blades. That's gnarly. But sin itself tends to feel good. That's why we that's why we as a as an imperfect, fundamentally sinful people, we are inclined to sin. So we have to break like our fundamental nature. We have to break our fundamental nature and 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 that goes back to the relational glue piece. And we got to get deeper in the relational glue. Now, I don't have time to go over all the little components of relational glue. But what I want to do is, is 
I want to talk about the, the, the confession part of relational glue, because when I talk about what do we do with the fact that our soul belongs to God, we have to watch this here. We got a snitch on our generational sin. I said it. We have to snitch on our generational sin. We got a snitch. We got a snitch. This how you snitch. Y'all done seen me go here quite a few times, but um, never quite like this. So uh, what we're doing this time is we're going to we're going to First uh, John chapter one. We're going to First John chapter one, and we're gonna go to verse eight. And let's let's read this. Let's read it. Let oh we let's read it. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all right, unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If we say we have not sinned. So watch this here. People believe that some people believe that you can only that the only way this applies is if we physically say we don't sin. No. If our actions indicate that we don't believe we have sinned. It's not just the confession part. The confession part matters, and you have to confess both in your altar time and in real time and in your prayer without ceasing, but confession confession always matters. And if, and if we move like we don't feel like we've sinned, if we don't open up those communication lines with God, that's the same as saying we haven't sinned because what that tells God is that tells God you don't need him. That tells God you don't need him. You want to go do something else. You want to go focus on something else. God, not about to bless that. That's why all the stuff in, that's why all the, only the one who sins will die. It is a fundamental core sin, a fundamental core sin to say, I know God's over there. I don't care. I know God's over there, but I don't need him. I know God's over there, but I'm going to choose this over God. When God talks about in, in Exodus chapter 20, no graven image, no graven image or likeness. He not just talking about misrepresentations of him. He not just talking about, he not just talking about the Baals and the false idols. He's talking about any principality that is not in his image and likeness. And when we started this unit, we talked about God's image and likeness because that is supposed to be the fundamental part of our identity. So this is the mechanism by which we would be conscientiously or unconsciously choosing something else over God's image and likeness because the generational curse has such control and such a hold over us the principality that comes from our familial heritage. You saw how I brought yet yeah, 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 I'm 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 low key I'm low key bragging in the Lord because that I brought that all the way back from the first unit, the identity piece. Because when we conscientiously say, I don't want to go to God, I don't want to talk to God, I don't want that means that the other thing has the greater influence. And God said, I'm a jealous God. And that's not the way you want to roll. I mean, we just read the scriptures. So that's not exactly what it says, but you get the point. So how does this work? Like, how does it work? I got you. 
Um, open up your Bibles one last time to Hebrews chapter 10. Open up your Bibles one last time to Hebrews chapter 10. I promise this the last scripture. I promise this the last scripture we're gonna go over to go over today. And we're gonna start at verse. Gonna start at verse um, fifteen, so we're gonna be in this one for a minute. Gonna start at verse fifteen. Gonna read all the way down to thirty-one. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness for us. For after saying, "This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days," declares the Lord, "I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds." Then He adds, "I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more." Where there's forgiveness of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast... The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more you will, as, as all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood by the covenant of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There's a couple of things I want to unpack here. One, and I don't want to miss this, relationship. Healthy relationships. You have heard me say multiple times on 360 Degree Ministries that God gets all his stuff done in the context of healthy relationships. That includes overcoming generational curses. Find you somebody you can really trust, that the one of those behind the veil, inner circle kind of people, and just as the scriptures say, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another. We need brethrenhood in the kingdom. You can't overcome this by yourself. God wants us to have healthy relationships. God wants people who know him to have healthy relationships with these others so they get better. Why, why else would we be iron sharpening iron? Now, if somebody down, you might get some iron sharpening wood or some pieces, something like that. But, but, that, but we got to uplift each other. So that's, so that's in there. But that Hebrews passage sums it up so brilliantly. And it, and it really just boils down to follow God, follow God, follow God, follow God, follow God, for the love of God, follow God. Follow God, walk in love, keep in communication with God, and recognize that we are sinful and we need a Savior. We need that Savior. We need that grace. 
We need the word of God to be on our hearts because it sure wasn't working when we had to read it. And we have to understand sacrifice once and for all time. With that being, with all that being understood from the Hebrews passage, there is no more sacrifice for sin. But don't persist. Repent. Because y'all won't get God. Y'all won't get God. Y'all won't get God by your sin. You just don't. You just don't want to get God. Whew. All right, folks. Next week. We're going to put a nice little bow on this. We're going to put a nice little bow on this. We're going to make it do what it do. We're going to wrap it up. And I'm going to kind of talk kind of holiday plans and stuff like that. I love each and every one of you, and there's nothing you can do about it. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. And have a great weekend, folks.